Hello, and welcome to another edition of the PCOS Viva podcast. I'm Amy Medling, a certified health coach and the founder of PCOS Viva. I am talking today about a supplement that uh, is very popular among PCOS Divas and, and I think is kind of a hot topic in the PCOS community, and that is the supplement Avocetol. And I'm really excited to have with me today on the call the medical director of Therologics, Dr. Mark Ratner. Therologics is the, the makers of the supplement Avocetol, and I'm going to actually be picking uh, Dr. Ratner's brain uh, later on in the call as well about male infertility treatments because he is also the regional director of male reproductive medicine at Shady Grove Fertility Center in Washington, D.C. So welcome, Dr. Ratner. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Amy. Well, I think we'll just start by the obvious question, um, what is Avocetol? Okay, well, Ovacetol is a, it's a, a nutritional supplement, and uh, it is actually a, a blend, a mixture of two uh, inositols, um, myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol. Um, inositols are actually a, um, what we call a sugar, they're sugar alcohols. They're actually in the same family as uh, substances like mannitol, xylitol, which are sometimes used as uh, sweeteners, um, and um, the inositols um, are, there's actually nine of them. There's nine different inositols in nature, and two of those nine, myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol, um, offer very uh, specific benefits because they serve very special functions uh, in our cells. Um, so myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol are blended together in uh, this product, ovacetol, um, uh, in a very specific ratio. Uh, it's actually 40 to 1. It's 40 parts myo-inositol to 1 part dechiro-inositol. And a daily dose of ovacetol um, is actually uh, 4 grams of myo-inositol and 100 milligrams of dechiro-inositol. It's actually a powder, um, and uh, it's uh, taken as uh, a, you take a packet of the powder and you um, you stir it just in water. Uh, ovacetol is completely uh, colorless and tasteless once you stir it up and dissolve it in the water. Uh, when you drink the water, it just tastes like water and looks like water. Um, and of course, you can mix it with juice or anything else. Um, and it's taken twice a day roughly every 12 hours. Uh, so it's uh, a packet every 12 hours. That's uh, essentially what Ovacetol contains. Um, and um, it's, uh, it's specifically designed to help improve um, insulin sensitivity uh, and, and uh, insulin function uh, in uh, women with PCOS. So I know that there are also some benefits for um, egg production and fertility for women with PCOS using Avocetol um, cycle regulation. Can you maybe explain some of the other benefits sure. um, in addition to insulin um, sensitivity? Right. Well, so the we are still really trying to, to un 
sort of peel apart exactly what's going on metabolically in women with PCOS uh, because there are different sort of types of PCOS. Uh, there are uh, women with PCOS who have a significant amount of insulin resistance, and then there are some that don't. There are women with PCOS who have a great deal of testosterone overproduction, and then there are some women with PCOS who don't have that. And so why is it that, that there are sort of what we call different phenotypes, meaning uh, different ways that, that PCOS can sort of present itself? Um, we don't really know. Uh, and part of our attempt to understand that uh, is to get down to the level of the cell and understand what's going wrong in the cells of women with PCOS. Why is this happening? Um, and to understand the benefits that ovacetol or, or the inositols uh, potentially offer, uh, we have to kind of remember what are the derangements, what are the things that sort of go wrong um, in in the production, I'm sorry, in PCOS. Um, and it appears as if much of what happens in women with PCOS does relate uh, to what we call uh, insulin resistance and insulin, the converse or the opposite of insulin resistance, which is insulin sensitivity. What do we mean by that? What we mean by that is this. Insulin is a hormone um, that is produced in our by our pancreas and then comes out into the bloodstream. And in insulin's important function is that it allows our cells to take in glucose and produce energy. In order for insulin to work, what it does is it binds. Insulin is actually a, a small molecule. It's a hormone. And it binds to the surface of the cell at a point which is called the insulin receptor. It's almost like a lock and key. So the insulin receptor is the lock and insulin is the key. It fits into the lock. And when the insulin binds to the receptor, it releases what we call second messengers. Those second messengers go into the cell and it's the second messengers that tell the cell Okay, take in the glucose from the bloodstream and start producing energy. So it turns out that what happens when there is what we call insulin resistance is the insulin receptor doesn't release those second messengers properly. And it also turns out that those second messengers are made up from inositols. So inositols, both myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol, they function in the cell as the second messengers for the insulin receptor. So what happens in PCOS is that the balance between myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol gets out of whack. It turns out that in the ovary, there is too much dechiro-inositol and not enough myo-inositol. And in the peripheral tissues, there is the exact opposite. There's, in the peripheral tissues, there's not enough dechiro and there's too much myo-inositol. So what ovacetol does is it attempts to restore a balance. When it does that, you're going to get a reduction in the testosterone overproduction 
that occurs in PCOS. You're going to get improved ovulation. Um, and all of those things occur because you are reducing insulin resistance. What happens in insulin resistance is that if that second messenger doesn't work, glucose can't come into the cell. And so the glucose builds up in the bloodstream. And when glucose builds up in the bloodstream, the pancreas gets a message that says, hey, we need more insulin here because there's a lot of glucose in the bloodstream. And so the pancreas responds by producing more insulin. So in insulin resistance, what happens is blood sugar, glucose, goes up and insulin goes up. This is also what happens in type 2 diabetes and also in what we call gestational diabetes, meaning diabetes that occurs during pregnancy. So this is the underlying mechanism, insulin resistance, for not only PCOS, but also for type 2 diabetes, uh, for what's called metabolic syndrome in older men and women who have this sort of complex uh, of, uh, of abnormalities that includes insulin resistance, insulin resistance and truncal obesity, uh, elevated serum triglycerides, uh, and also this is the underlying mechanism for gestational diabetes. Now, um, what's interesting, and keep in mind, I mean, for a lot of your listeners, I mean, the, the concept of diabetes may be um, a little bit confusing. There are basically two different types of diabetes. Uh, we physicians, we call it type 1 and type 2. And so what we're, descri- what we're describing here, you know, insulin resistance leading to too much sugar in the blood because the cells can't take in the sugar, and too much insulin in the blood because the pancreas starts cranking out more insulin in response to the elevated sugar, that's what we call type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes, just sort of parenthetically, type 1 diabetes is totally different. That's where the pancreas fails. That's what we used to call juvenile diabetes, uh, juvenile onset diabetes, or insulin-dependent diabetes. In that situation, what happens is the pancreas stops making insulin. And so in terms of blood sugar, same thing happens. The cells can no longer take in the, the sugar, and so the sugar level in the blood goes up. But because the pancreas has been damaged, it doesn't respond with more insulin. It can't. And so the main difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes is the fact that serum insulin levels don't go up in type 1, but they do go up in type 2. So in some respects, PCOS, the insulin resistance in PCOS, is very much like what happens in type 2 diabetes. Insulin levels go up. And it happens that insulin levels being elevated drives the ovary to produce more testosterone. So this is sort of like a vicious cycle. And um, when we rebalance the inositols and improve the function of the insulin receptor, we reduce insulin resistance, we reduce serum testosterone, we improve ovarian function, which restores ovulation, improves fertility. Well, that was really that's a fantastic basically the mechanism. I'm sorry. Yeah, that that was a fantastic explanation. Um, well, good. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's um, and I and I do want to also stress the fact that 
you know, this is our best understanding right now. Um, but there's a ton of research that's still going on, and uh, it, it's you know one of the one of the things that was recently published is um, that there are some hormones that come out of the pituitary gland. Um, there's a hormone which is called luteinizing hormone, and another one which is called follicle stimulating hormone. We call them LH and FSH. These are pituitary hormones, uh, and those hormones actually stimulate the ovary uh, to function. And, and in other words, FSH stimulates the ovary to make eggs. LH stimulates the ovary to make uh, to, uh, uh, estrogen. Uh, and it turns out now that there may be some genetic predisposition uh, having to do with LH and FSH function uh, in, in women with PCOS. So there's all kinds of new research that's coming out, uh, but we do not know um, uh, the full story just yet. So I have to ask you, why is it that um, so many doctors don't really understand the benefits of inositols for PCOS? I know um, I went and had an annual um, OBGYN checkup, and it was with a new doctor, and I um, had asked her if she had ever heard of inositols as therapy for women with PCOS, and she said, what is inositol? So I had to kind of educate her, um, you know, on the benefits. You know, why, why has this research, and I know it's there's a, Yeah, so it's many a great studies. question, and, and it's, yeah. a, it's a strange situation, um, and it's sort of related to what is jokingly sometimes called NIH syndrome, where um, NIH uh, is meant to mean uh, not invented here. Um, it turns out that virtually virtually uh, all of the inositol research in the past 10 years has come out of Europe. Fifteen, the very first, the interesting thing is that the very first inositol study that was published uh, was actually published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1999. The study was done in Virginia, uh, at the University of Virginia, and it was published in the New England Journal, and it was focusing primarily on D-chiro inositol, just one of the inositols. Um, and the researchers who published that study, um, they then actually created a company. They were going to go through FDA approval and try to produce uh, D-chiro as a uh, prescription product and make it a drug. Um, and they started doing clinical trials here in the States. And for a bunch of reasons having to do with patent law and regulatory stuff, um, the, uh, the, the idea of creating this as a drug and the whole uh, idea of, of having a pharmaceutical company behind it uh, fell apart. And so uh, those researchers uh, to this day are still some of the big PCOS researchers in the United States. And so they have had sort of this um, very jaundiced view of uh, the commercial benefits of, of inositols. Um, interestingly, the inositols, um, I think part of the reason that, that the whole idea of, of uh, pharmaceutical uh, companies getting behind it fell apart is that it's a natural substance. It's a product that we uh, have in our diets and, and you know, is found in nature. So you cannot patent, actually, a natural substance. And so um, the, the whole idea of creating this as a drug um, didn't really have uh, much uh, of, a, of, a, 
regulatory uh, uh, foundation to stand on. And so today, inositols are a supplement. They're a dietary supplement in the United States. Uh, and there are a bunch of products that are out there. Um, my company uh, produces Ovacetol. Uh, Ovacetol is the only one that is actually in that 40 to 1 ratio uh, between Mayo and DeCairo. Uh, the reason it's a 40 to 1 ratio is because uh, that is essentially the same ratio that's found in the body uh, between the Mayo and the DeCairo. The, the goal here is to try and uh, replicate uh, you know, the, the natural balance between these two uh, what we call isomers of inositol. Um, and um, if you remember your high school chemistry, uh, when, the, when two molecules are stereoisomers, what it means is that they have the same chemical formula. They just differ slightly in where their, their bonds are and, and how the, the, the different atoms are attached to one another. Uh, so Mayo and DeCairo uh, are, uh, are isomers. So let me um, ask you some questions that I, I get from women when they're um, interested in purchasing Avocetol. Mm -hmm. um, so the, I think probably the number one question is, can I take this with metformin? So um, I know metformin also acts on insulin um, sensitivity, and is this, would you take both together? Uh, we have many, many customers that do, um, and I, I would say that they, they do so uh, with complete safety. And um, I, I think that uh, presumably they're under the care of a physician, otherwise they wouldn't be taking metformin. Uh, and th those things that are going to be done to monitor their uh, response, I think, uh, should just stay in place. So if if the doc is watching their uh, hemoglobin A1C or monitoring their insulin levels uh, or their blood sugar levels or even their testosterone levels. I mean, as long as those things are being monitored, um, combining the two should present no problem at all. Um, and um, we even have some customers who, uh, under their doctor's supervision, have have started taking both and then uh, weaned themselves off of uh, the metformin uh, and stayed just on uh, inositols, again, under uh, a doctor's supervision. Okay. And what about if you are pregnant or nursing? Say you've gotten pregnant while on inositol. Is that something that you can continue? That's a great question, and, and the answer is absolutely yes. Um, in fact, uh, there are now several studies uh, that have been published over the last three, four years, uh, which show uh, a tremendous potential benefit um, in staying on uh, an inositol product if you have PCOS and become pregnant. Um, the reason is because women with PCOS are at significantly increased risk of developing uh, gestational diabetes, meaning diabetes that occurs uh, usually later in the pregnancy. Um, uh, and the underlying uh, mechanism of that diabetes is what we discussed a, a moment ago, insulin resistance. So the studies that have now been published show that um, if uh, a woman with PCOS uh, stays on inositols throughout her pregnancy, uh, it roughly halves her risk of developing gestational diabetes. 
Um, there is a little bit of uh, confusion about the potential uh, for problems if you stay on inositols. Um, and I've heard a couple of, uh, of OBGYNs raise this question. Um, one of the one of the concerns I think was raised theoretically because it turns out that the um, the inositols also function as the second messengers for um, uh, oxytocin, which is a hormone in our bodies, in, in women's bodies, that is responsible for stimulating uterine contractions. And so somebody once in a paper raised a theoretical concern that taking inositols as a supplement later in pregnancy could increase the risk of preterm labor if it stimulated uterine contractions. But we now have three randomized controlled, you know, placebo-controlled trials that have been uh, published uh, in the last four years, looking at um, the use of inositols through uh, pregnancy. Uh, those three trials in combination have many, many hundreds of patients that have been enrolled in them, and there has been absolutely no impact on preterm labor at all. Um, but in all three trials, it did reduce the risk of gestational diabetes. Uh, so I think it's not only safe, but potentially very beneficial. And then what about nursing? Is there any harm in, in, to your baby? Does it pass through breast milk or something to be concerned about? Um, you know, breast milk contains inositol. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know that there's um, uh, any study that's ever really looked at that um, specifically, although I would probably say that um, uh if there's any concern, then you know, you know, there's there's probably if if you're going to nurse for three to six months and you want to stop the inositols, uh, at that point, uh, probably no harm in doing that. Okay, and um, can you tell? I, I do get some questions about the ingredients in the your little pink package, um, and and as you mentioned, it's really easy to just mix in your morning. I put it in my morning lemon water. Um, you know, people that have done my Jump Start program know I love warm water with lemon in the morning, and that's how I take my um, Ovacetol. But there mm -hmm. is a little um, filler product in there, maltodextrin, and I know it Maltodextrin, it helps, yeah. It helps the inositol flow out of the package. But Exactly, um, and, and uh, you know, the maltodextrin is just what we call an excipient, okay, uh, meaning it's not an active ingredient. It's just really there uh, to help with the production of the product. And in this case, uh, it, it makes, you know, the, the inositols are very, very sort of dry and fluffy. Um, and so to try and actually get them, get this blend of inositols into the packet um, is uh, is challenging. Um, and so the maltodextrin is there uh, simply to make it pour uh, more easily. However, um, we've been working, uh, and believe me, the amount of maltodextrin in there is is pretty minimal. Uh, so in terms of calories or anything else, it's it's uh, doesn't really have much of an impact. Nevertheless, um, our goal uh, has been to try and have a product that is is just simply the inositols. And so we have been working with our manufacturing facility and. We're pretty certain that uh, within a few months we'll we'll be able to uh, uh, produce the product uh, without any maltodextrin. Um, we've uh, we've made some uh, modifications to the way we um, handle the powder. 
um, uh, the inositol powders uh, that should allow us to get the maltodextrin out of there. I will also point out one thing, and that is um, ovacetol uh, and all Theralogics, all of my company's products, uh, go through uh, independent third-party content and purity certification. Um, you know, given that these are dietary supplements, um, the oversight provided by the FDA of the dietary supplement industry is pretty laxed. Um, and unfortunately, it's a it's a huge industry, and unfortunately, the FDA's ability to police it uh, is somewhat limited. Um, so what we do is we go through an independent nonprofit program, which is actually based up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's called NSF International. It used to be actually part of the University of Michigan School of Public Health, and now it's a freestanding nonprofit program. Uh, so every one of our products, when we do a production run, um, we, we send part of it up to Ann Arbor, and it gets uh, tested in NSF's labs, uh, independent analytical labs, so that we can get certification that what we tell you is in this product uh, is actually what you're getting, no more, no less, and uh, freedom from any kind of contaminants or impurities. This is especially important uh, in a reproductive time frame. Um, you know, women who are trying to get pregnant, women who are already pregnant, uh, you want to know that what you're taking uh, is uh, exactly what you think you're taking. Um, and unfortunately, that's not always assured uh, in the dietary supplement industry. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. And these are high-grade, you know, nutraceutical products, Um and you know, there's a lot of inositol supplements. I mean, I know I hear a lot of women saying, well, I'm just using, you know, X brand that I bought on Amazon. Um, and it might be inositol, but it isn't that blended form um, of the, the D-Cairo and Mayo. Um, you really don't know what you're getting, uh, oftentimes, if it just says inositol. So really great point. Um I have to ask you, I, there's a lot of women that are saying, okay, you know, I'm taking a Vostal, I feel really great, you know, we're trying to get pregnant, would this be something that would benefit my husband? Um, and, you know, you being a male reproductive um, medicine expert, uh, mm -hmm. let me pose that question to you. Um, the short answer is no. <laughs> there's, there's no, uh, there is no... Uh, really substantial uh, evidence of any benefit for male fertility by taking uh, inositols uh, at this point. There are other nutrients that appear to benefit male fertility, but the inositols wouldn't be one of them. Um, yeah, so tell us about those nutrients. Then. Well, the, the, the main benefit um, would be from certain antioxidants. Um, there are a number of... Uh, antioxidants which are normally present in the seminal, what we call the seminal plasma, meaning the fluid that carries the sperm along. Um, uh, antioxidants are necessary in the body to prevent what we call free radicals. These are molecules that can damage our proteins and DNA, um, and the free radicals cause that damage by oxidation. Uh, and so antioxidants which are normally present in the body, um, help protect our tissues against damage from these oxidative molecules, the, the free radicals. And so 
in the semen, in the seminal plasma, um, naturally occurring. In other words, these are the natural antioxidants which are present in the seminal plasma, vitamin C, vitamin E, um, glutathione, N-acetylcysteine, uh, coenzyme Q10. Um, uh, you know, these are uh, uh, selenium. I mean, these are naturally occurring in the seminal plasma. And so it's been pretty well established that if you supplement those naturally occurring antioxidants, you will improve sperm quality. Not necessarily the number of sperm, but the quality of those sperm. Um, and uh, then there's a whole other category of nutrients for, for, for male fertility, which can actually improve motility. In other words, um, one of the features that we look at when we do a semen, a semen analysis is uh, what's called motility, which means movement. And so uh, when they do a semen analysis, they'll count 100 sperm. For, okay, they'll say for every 100 sperm, how many of them are swimmers? How many of them under the microscope are wiggling their tails and, and swimming well? And uh, for it to be normal, we want at least 40% of the sperm to be swimmers. Um, but some men have low motility. The sperm don't swim well. And so there are certain nutrients uh, that can improve uh, sperm motility, uh, the primary one being L-carnitine. Um, and uh, another one is also actually, when I mentioned a moment ago, coenzyme Q10, which helps with energy production in the sperm. So there are nutrients that can help with male fertility, uh, but the inositols uh, wouldn't be uh, one of them. So are you, do you have a blend for... Um, we actually like do make a product. Um, Theralogix actually makes a product that's being used by uh, hundreds of uh, fertility practices around the country. It's called Conception XR. And actually, uh, a year ago, uh, we were asked by uh, the NIH, and in this case, I'm I'm talking about the National <laughs> Institutes of Health, not uh, the other definition of NIH. But the, the NIH came to us a year ago because they are doing a very big clinical trial um, that uh, is called, um, uh, I forget the name of the trial now. Um, they always have these um, these really cute little acronyms that they come up with the, with the names of, of the trial. Uh, oh, it's the MOXI trial, M-O-X-I, yeah, which stands for Males, Antioxidants, and Infertility. And um, it's being done in six university centers around the country. Uh, They're looking at couples with male factor infertility, and they're randomizing them to either placebo uh, or uh, antioxidants. Uh, and they came to us a year ago and uh, are actually going to use Conception XR as the antioxidant intervention. We're actually producing uh, the placebo as well as the antioxidant uh, Conception XR for them to use for this trial. The trial is going to take four years um, and uh, many millions of dollars to carry out, but uh, we're excited and uh, uh, it'll be a few years before we get uh, get the data from that trial. But uh, we, we think it's going to be uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful to get that NIH trial. I mean, it would be great if we could get that for Avocetol as well someday. There's actually a clinical trial that's going on with uh, Avocetol at uh, USC. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping that there's going to be um, a gradual increase in the amount of uh, U.S.-based interest 
um, in in doing clinical work, clinical trials with uh, the inositols and PCOS patients. Um, again, because there's a there's a certain um, I guess what would you call it a chauvinism about uh, research um, that's published from elsewhere uh, amongst uh, uh, U.S. clinicians. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's a tendency to think that if it's not published in in you know some U.S.-based journal, that somehow it's uh, uh, it's not uh, as important or as meritorious. So um, we're hoping to get some research, uh, more research underway here in the states on inositols as well. Now, do you know if they're still recruiting for those trials for for the um, and the, the U.S.? Yeah, you know, the U.S.C. trial, um, University of Southern California. Uh, is absolutely still recruiting, um, and uh, they are actually uh, doing a clinical trial where they're going to be looking. These are they're doing the trial in women who are undergoing uh, IVF, and what they're doing is they're uh, either placebo or uh, ovacetol, and they're looking at the um, hormone levels in what's called follicular fluid. So when a woman undergoes IVF, uh, when they extract her eggs. Uh, that egg extraction, that egg retrieval, uh, is done by uh, draining fluid from the little ovarian follicles. Um, and the fluid that the egg is sitting in, uh, in that follicle, is called follicular fluid. Uh, and it actually uh, reflects the uh, the chemistry of the ovary. In other words, with the health of the ovary uh, is very much um, reflected in the um, chemistry and the content of the follicular fluid. Um, so they're looking at not only the IVF results and the egg quality, uh, but they're really looking at follicular fluid uh, in response to uh, treatment with inositols. So that's the USC study, and um, it is still, uh, I believe, enrolling, yeah. Great. Well, we'll um, post links to those studies as well as um, the, your product, Conception XR. And I just wanted everyone to know on the call that um, I do take um, Avocetol every day, and I'm a, I'm a big fan and supporter, and I actually um, have it available in my PCOS Diva store. So if it's something that you're interested in, um, check it out. And there's lots of other articles. We'll provide links of that to those on PCOS Diva about Inositols and in particular Avocetol. So, Dr. Ratner, thank you so much for your time today. Well, Amy, thank you for for having me. I, I really uh, I was happy to uh, to chat with you today. And um, uh, if you know, by the way, if anybody has questions directly uh, about uh, Ovacetol that they want to um, uh, have us answer here at the company, um, uh, you know, we're we're happy to respond uh, uh, by email or by phone. Great, and I'll also put those um, contact the contact information at the end That'd of this great. podcast. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. I have some um, great guests lined up uh, in the next month. We're going to be talking to Dr. Nancy Dunn. She was really a PCOS um, kind of holistic alternative approach pioneer. Um, she's a, a naturopath doctor, and we'll be talking to her as well as Dr. Rashmi Khadija about um, IVF and the PCOS patient. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.